This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. From Chicago, this is the Chavrusa. Plus, some of my best friends are Kabbalists. Yes, my friends, this is a mashup, a incredible mashup. It's 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 Gilgal and Ebor, and there are Nitzitzes flying all around this this morning from the Midwest, making a little bit of a stop on the East Coast. Haravagoyin, Rav Nosson Notoglik from Ashkelon Eretz Yisrael, and the reason why this mashup is occurring is because we uncovered an iceberg in some place. And that iceberg, of course, was Teiros Agilgal, where um, uh, Kalman and I, and I guess we should introduce ourselves, I'm from Kivalevich, and of course... I'm Kalman Ward. Yes, and we learned it as they might be. And uh, my very, very close friend, Rav Nossen Notoglik, who, of course, is a uh, is as part of our program, some of my best friends are Kabbalists, is here to, um, as a Tzad Ashlishi, I don't know if Lachria Beneinu, or to maybe uh, to be Ma'orer, that it's not, it's not your way, it's not his way, it's a whole different Shtikl Torah altogether. So Nossen, why don't you uh, uh, speak up? The issue that Gilgul Neshamas raises is the question of, of an individual human being's uniqueness. Think about it. And ultimately, if every neshama comes back time after time after time after time, then a single individual person in, in the flesh, as it were, is not particularly special, is not particularly unique. You're one of, you know, you're, you're one of many. Right? And uh, as a matter of fact, in, in some Eastern traditions, the, the upshot of Gilgul Neshamas is that there's nothing really wrong with killing people in battle. If it's your job to do battle, then go kill as many people as you have to, because, you know, the, the wise do not feel bad either for the living or the dead, you know, because nothing actually changes, you know, soul separates from body, comes back. So what did you do, you know? Um, so it actually changes it changes your whole ethical perception, not not necessarily for the better, as we you know coming from our coming from our point of view. You know, Yiddishkeit looks at each human being not just unique because you have unique neshama, but unique because you are a unique person, as you know, body and body and soul. Person dies, you're misabil. You know, every every human being that or every person that ever lived needs a grave. When you're used to, you're, you're supposed to bury dead people. And the, and the reason why that is is because uh, you know this this goof used to be somebody it used to be a person, and it still is worthy of all of the veneration that we would that we would uh, give to a real human being. So, you know, these things don't make sense if you really think in terms of of Gilgul Nishamas. And the best raya that I can give you is, you know, do how do they bury people in India? Where Gilgul Neshamas is the is the absolutely the uh, most basic belief of all the religious traditions. How do they bury people in India? The answer: They don't. They burn them. Why? 
because you know the body is useless it's just a you know it's just a shell we burn it we get rid of it as effective as possible effectively as possible no one needs a grave unless like you're a very famous politician or king or something um and that of course you know muslims are different because muslims of course uh, you know come from our side of the fence in that regard so alcohol ponim it seems bepashtus that Prabhupada going is right that gilgul nishama is, is a doctrine that flies in the face both of of uh Chazal's hashkafa and and of halacha. Why do we? Why is me, why is there me, a mitzvah to bury people? Let me get a bit why of a is there clarification. A to be mitzayane. Get a clarification. I mean, you seem to be suggesting that if we understand Gilgulim to whatever extent we understand it, that there is a question that's raised with people, which is, uh, am I unique or am I just one of my thirty um, lives? Right. Million. But 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 I, I don't I don't know if people are. I mean, I guess I, what I'd like a little, uh, if you could clarify, where is this question coming from? Meaning that people can say, this is one of my 30 visits to this world, or maybe in our terms, this is one of my three visits, according to some opinions, right? So it's one of my three visits, but it's still all me. So wh- why, are you, why are you suggesting that people feel less unique or less special because they are part of some longer story that extends past the current lifetime that they can measure. I, I, I'm not sure if I saw that, but you seem to be suggesting that that it would be automatic. Yeah, because because every person is a unique combination of a body and a soul. I mean, that's that's also Mephorish and Chazal. That ha- that's why Kaddish Baruch has to bring us back from the dead in order to adequately judge us, because it's like the, you know, it's like the the uh, the lame man who can see on top of the shoulders of the of the guy who can walk but can't see, you know you have to put two of them together in order for in order for right, but, you, but you're adding the word unique, are. you're adding the word unique, and why do we need that? Why do I need to have a unique body? Why can't this be? Um, you know I've had thirty bodies, but I've had one soul, and that soul keeps. Uh, coming back, trying again and trying again, and uh, you know, hopefully figuring it out at some point. So, why does that take away from my uniqueness? Uh, that's that's I, I'm not I didn't follow the the concern. Well, in in, gen- in general, in general, because I you know, what certainly one of the things that makes you unique is 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 your physical body. If you if you had a different physical body, you'd be a different person. If you had a different physical body, you'd have different parents. You'd have a different life story. You'd have been born in a different place. Okay, so so if you if you really say that the, the core of your being is totally in your nishama, which continually comes back until for whatever reason it stops, right? Then then you're certainly eliminating one half of the of the um, of your sense of identity, you know. And and ultimately in in yahadut, the total person, body and body and soul together, is the Entity which Hakadosh Baruch Hu desires, which Hakadosh Baruch Hu loves, okay. and and well, by the way, one of one of the re- one of the reasons why it's important to believe that the world was created in time, right, is because if it wasn't created at a point in time, then then there is no such thing as a unique human being, because everybody has been around a million millions and millions of times because time is eternal. So somebody exactly taking taking the course of an infinite history. Somebody exactly like you has to have existed and has to have existed infinite times. Well, this is this is a point, by the way, ironically, it's made it's made by Nietzsche in a, in one way, but it's also it's also in uh, I believe pretty Mufurash in in, uh, 
in Sefer Haikarim by Rabbi Yosef Alvo. So, you know, you, when you have a when you have a limited sense of history, then you can really begin to speak about about an individual person's uniqueness. And by the way, if you're not if you're if you're if you as a body and a soul are not unique, then what's the problem with killing the body, releasing the soul, having it come back from another spin? There's nothing. There's nothing particularly important about your identity. Well, as well, l- l- let me respond to that. First of all, I, I think that the idea that we're unique in in body as well as soul. I don't know if that's necessary. I don't know if that's necessary. I think you, you could be um, unique in the sense that you are the you and that's your soul. And then you may have three, four, or five different appearances in different bodies, but they're all part of this one long story. I think I think that still makes you unique. I don't think it's fair. To, to go to the Infinity Hotel and, and, bring, and bring an example of that where I've been here an infinite number of times. I think you're right. I think if, you, if you're saying that I'm part of this infinite story that, the, that goes beyond what even I can fathom, I, I, I would have to agree. But, but the fact that you appear only five times, again, that's still within limited time. So the, um, who said that I need to have, and I understand there's the concept of the body and the soul, but why can't the soul have interactions and five different bodies and five different experiences? I'm just picking the number five, five different experiences. And that's your full story. And I, it doesn't feel like, I mean, I understand there are issues. It doesn't feel like it interferes with this unique, I am special, I am me, if, if there are, so to speak, sleeves or bodies that you can put on. Mm-hmm. Let me try to respond over here. And I'm really loving, I, I think I just want to like, let, let me try to respond here. First of all, you, you know, Nelson, you're talking about the body and the body, of course, and, and all the different chazal about how the body gets its waiting for its car and it's going to come, et cetera, which of course indicate that there is something unique about the body. So you have chazal, uh, definitely the the medrash, the medrashim hagiluyim on your side, no question about it. But there's also the idea that we know that the, the body isn't just the, the the capacity uh to be animated it's also emotion it's feeling it's a lot of other things that are dacoustic that aren't necessarily things that we even know how to measure but it's certain personality traits it's certain aspects it's certain aspects of creativity and other things which are different and that's what we mean when we say the neshama is tohar and it's nesalabesh in a goof a goof is much more than the muscle and sinew. And I think there, Kalman, uh, the struggle that you have in, let's say, stage one is so, it's not just, you know, your, your body made it through, your body transformed, your body was involved, and your body and soul became welded in a way that there was something incredibly beautiful about it and powerful. And to sort of like do an amalgam of five eliminates the significance of that first time and therefore if a person as i said last week if a person knows this he sort of like says so this is not who i am and all of this effort and what i've done to transform and elevate is really just you know one section of something It's, it's it's cruel and i think it stops a person from feeling that he's going to get the scar that he deserves for for the struggle that happened this time around, right? And and, and, and therefore, well, in I, I, to what you're saying, you're right. The person had a body and had a soul, and had you done things right, this would have been completed, and there would have been this maybe greater level of fusing. And maybe there is 
a little bit that's lost when when there needs to be a reconfiguration into a new body, and as a result of that, different personalities. As 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 Rabbi Gok mentioned, you'll have different parents. That enough is gonna is going to change you and make you a different person. But that's what happens because you messed up the first time. So to say it's sort of tragic that now all that's been taken away and now you have to do this again, well, that's the point. Well, one second. It's more than just tragic. There was, uh, there was something concrete that was created. I think that's really the point. The same way the soul is indestructible, the soul's uh, and body's fusion creates that third aspect, which Lachora, if, you, if, if you're right, pretty much gets wiped, unless it's a perfect 10 or a 9.6, whatever it is, it gets wiped away. And now let's see how, now let's count the next vault jump that you have. Whereas the way Nelson and I what are... Mean, what, what do you mean? What do you, you mean like the entire personality is lost? Is that well, what you're suggesting? No, what I'm saying is that accomplishment, and flawed though it might be, but it's magnificent and incredible to think about with its quirks, with its idiosyncrasies, with its brilliance, with its story of what it was able to overcome and forget and and, and, and synthesize and change from one meter to another. That element, which is the total human being of what body and soul and, and, and avoda, it, it, it would seem to just wipe it away and to say, okay, that was not, that wasn't good enough. Let's try this again. That is, that is a, a, such a cruel fate that compare it to to really a traditional Hindu attitude towards towards reincarnation. Like, what does what does that mean to a Hindu? What does it you know what 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 does it mean to a Buddhist, which is even more difficult to describe? But the the idea is is that is that I mean Lahavdil, you know, every every nisham is a chelik elukami mal mamish, and the only reason it ever gets born into a body is because through some sort of twist of fate, it forgets its identity. And therefore, it becomes locked into a body. And it's going to continue to reincarnate from one body to another body to another body to another body until it wakes up and realizes who it is. Then it goes back to being and it never has to be reincarnated ever again. Okay, so the fact that you keep on coming back for, from one body to another body to another body is because you really haven't achieved enlightenment, which is why in the you know Eastern religions they're always they're always looking for enlightenment. What is you know what what is enlightenment good for? Well, it's good for getting your for stopping the cycle of of rebirth, which is uncomfortable and miserable, and nobody likes it. I mean, you know, you think you like it, but that's only because you have a kind of a rather myopic view of the total of the total picture. It's endless, meaningless suffering until you wake up and you realize who you are. And that's the that concept Buddhism and Hinduism have pretty much pretty much in common. Um, you know, some some Hindus have a, some interesting twists on that. Like, you know, if you could only twist your body into a certain knot, okay, then your then your soul would remember who it is because you'd be liberating your soul from the body by giving the body a certain shape that allows the soul to escape. So, you know, that's where a lot of the you know um, the yoga position things come from. But anyway, I'll call upon him, you know, the fact, the fact that the nisham, everything in the body is nothing, okay, means that, that the so bodies are useless, burn them. You know, the, you don't, you don't even, there's nothing even there to hold on to. There's no reason why to hold on to it. Um, and another, another thing that comes out of that idea is that um, nothing in the world actually means anything. You know, you see a person suffering miserably. What's really your chiv tzedakah? 
the reason why he is the way he is is because he did something in his past life and he's being rein, been reincarnated this way and after he dies he's going to be reincarnated again so giving him some food so he doesn't die is not is not helpful okay you want to give him something enlighten him so that way he won't have to come back you're still uh, speaking of the, the the buddhist way of thinking right not, not buddhist way... or buddhist buddhist slash hindu yeah Okay, right. the, the, okay. the mix of Tadaka is by them is very is is very different. Now, on the other hand, we take a look at a human at a living human being and we say this person is precious. He needs to live. If I don't do something, but if he's you know if he's just going to come back into a different body, then why you know why does it why does it matter whether I feed him or shoot him? You know, and the only reason for a Hindu why it matters if I feed him or shoot him is because if I feed him, then I'm guaranteeing myself a better rebirth. Which is which, in which I will be closer to enlightenment. And if I shoot him, then I'm doing something violent. And violence always, you know, karmically brings about a negative rebirth. Right. But I, I just block together, meaning you can believe in multiple reincarnations and still and still have in you can still believe that e, the body has something special to it. There, there, and that that's part of the person's personality in the same way that I can have you know, five different sets of clothing. And if those clothing have meaning, they can all have meaning to me. Obviously, clothing is not the same as a body, but I can, I can have all these vehicles for my soul and all of them have significance. It's not, I'm just saying, it's not, it's not automatic that if you believe one, you it's have not to believe automatic, the other. But, if, but let's say, if, if you're talking about, if you're talking about your body as a vehicle, like a, let's say, let's say a car, okay? So, you, you know, you drive a car, you drive it into the ground, it goes on the scrap heap, then you get another car. I mean, you don't sit around, you know, you don't go to the, you don't go to the place where you're, where you're, the car that you owned 20 years ago is rotting away in the, rotting, rotting away in the scrap heap and you, you put little, little rocks on it. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you it, just don't it, do It's just that. not a fair comparison okay. because, because we don't have the same, it, it, we don't have the, it's a spiritual connection rather than a physical machine that we're using. So that spiritual connection, you know, ha has an effect where there's a part of you that's in the body to a certain yeah. extent, but not to the point where it's locked in. That's the, you know, but there's still a part of you. You've got the uh, Havla de Garmi, right? Even your bones are giving off oh, the sort of vapor of your soul, right? It's, it, it, I, I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's not okay. one end or the one extreme or the other, right? It's not, well, there is this first, first of all, Makubalim, which I guess we're going to get to in a second, do really believe in both. They both, they, they grab this rope from both, both ends. Okay. On the one hand, each human being is absolutely unique. Okay. And, and therefore, like, you know, the theoretical question, if, if a person has been Makubal 20 times and he comes back with who gets the wife? You know? What, I mean, it's one big, you know, it's it's one big amalgam of twenty bodies, and there's and 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 there's one big wife who's also like eighty feet tall, and and that that's how it works, you know. Um, but the, you know, but the idea of the, of of uh, of there being a, a connection of of kedushin is, you know, a woman can only be married to one guy, so so that also seems to plug into the into the same concept of of um, of uniqueness that I'm that I'm trying to propose is the is the fundamental problem with believing in in uh, in reincarnation if you just think of it as in a shama popping out of one body and coming back into another body and then going to another body and then going to another body and then going to another body and the neshama the, the neshama is constant and the, and the bodies are are changeable right and most people when they for luman gilui naot you know so the people shouldn't think that i'm a real makubal or a real talmud chacham um i don't i it's a miracle that i came across this i knew that it existed but i just was kind of hoping that i would randomly you know, turn the pages here in Shara Gilgulim, and maybe I would see it, which I did. So the Rabbi Nishlam was had Rahmanas on me. 
getting uh, edited out anyway. Okay. I'm editing. Uh, I'm editing. That you all, you I'm, editing out. Uh, I'm editing. Da. You should know that even though you will find written in our writings, in many places, that this, this individual was rolled over into that person. And, and then after that to another person. Uh, do not be mistaken to think that the original is the one that is always rolling over. I mean, rolling over in terms of being reincarnated. That to an infinite number of roots, the souls of human beings have been divided. And in one root, there are an infinite number of sparks of souls. And any time it rolls over, there are some there are some sparks that are rectified. And those sparks that are not rectified, they come back to be to be uh, rectified again. The Otam and the ones that were already fixed, they do not roll back. They go up to the to the um, level which is fitting for them. Okay, and that is about as far as the explanation goes. So here we the specific Nishama that lived in that body does not come back into a different body. Rather, what happens is, is that if you figure there is a, uh, a Nishama A. So Nishama A has within its domain X number of Nitzotzot that it is supposed to rectify. It comes into the world to, in- to encounter these sparks, to lift them up, to, uh, and to embody them in his uh, Narnachi, his Nefesh Ruach Nishama Chaya Yechida, his, his, uh, his uh, spiritual stature. Okay, so whatever a person succeeds in accomplishing remains. So a particular neshama has come down and it's, it's done, you know, it's done 20% of the, of the uh, sparks that it could do. So those 20% of the sparks, they remain. The, the neshama that did those 20% of the sparks also remains. Everything goes to the place where it's supposed to be in Olam Haemet or in, in Olam Atzidut or whatever. The next neshama that comes back is not identical exactly to the first neshama. It is what remains of those sparks that need to still be rectified. So the two neshamot are very closely related, but they are in fact not the same. They're not the same person. They are extensions of, of a certain hyper neshama, okay, which you know many people can possess or be or be part of a hyper neshama. But every individual is going to deal with a different set of sparks. And in the case of an individual that did not succeed in uplifting all the sparks that they should have, so then what what it is that comes down to deal with those leftover sparks is a different fragment or a different aspect or a different uh, you know sub personality of that neshama which is directly linked to to the sparks that need to be 
resolved and so forth and so on. If, if, if person number two didn't take care of, of uh, the 80% of the sparks and take care of all of them. So he's left, you know, he's left uh, 30% over. So then those 30% remain and the nishama that comes back is a third aspect of the original nishama, which is meant to deal with the 30% that remain and so forth and so on. So in the end, what you have is three separate bodies for three separate people, but each of but these three people represent a continuity in terms of the sparks that they had to that they had to deal with, and in that respect, you can say of them that they are really one person in a way, not because they're one person fused or melted or blended or anything like that. It is because they, as as separate people, they have dealt with highly interrelated themes and issues and one of them continues the life of the of the previous one and that's what the are is trying to say in a nutshell so i i think if i'm understanding that you're seeing more as these nishamas does it does sound like they're the state but he, here's how i understood that arizal and maybe the way that i've seen it described in Svarim, which uh, it's very it's a very nuanced difference between maybe my perspective and yours but uh, i think i think it makes a big difference in terms of our discussion the the marshal that i tend to use is that is that the using the pasignar hashem nishmas adam that the that the um, candle of hashem is the soul of a person meaning that our our bodies are so to speak the candles the oil the wick the mitzvahs, right and all that stuff and the flame is the neshama and what happens is when a soul is to come back, what happens is that that candle with its wick is brought to the candle that's burning and lit from that candle. So that the neshama, so to speak, when, when, when uh, um, some tzaddik or any person needs to come back, so the next soul is going to come back by receiving the soul from that previous person, but like a candle lighting the candle, that person's still in heaven, right? That that person is still is still up there in Shemaim. But but I, I think the difference between the way I'm describing it, you know, a candle from a candle, as opposed to which is how I'm understanding the Arizal, and that's what it means that the, this new unique soul is going to get its own task within the general neshama based on which particular lights are being passed on. But I, I think it's different in the fact that it's the same flame. It is the same flame in my in my mashal. It's the same flame, and therefore the same soul, not just a new entity with an infusion of, hey, listen, I didn't get all my, all my chores done when I was in the world. You're going down into the world anyway. Can I give you five of my chores so that you can do them for me, which almost sounds like the way it's simply understood. But it is the same soul. It's the same person. I, I think the problem is that when we're speaking of souls, we tend to think of souls in, 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 in physical definitions, so I think we, for us, it's hard for us to understand how the soul can be up there in Shamayim, fully experiencing heaven or hell, and at the same time, the soul can be on this earth, because there really isn't a, a concept of time. So I, I think it's just in my head, I see these souls as the same exact souls, somehow being able to take up two places at once, because it's a flame lighting a flame, as opposed to seeing them as just Here's the soul because the soul couldn't get it done, so we broke the soul into parts and sort of uh, um, um, sent it out to go do the job that the first the first um, volunteer couldn't accomplish. 
Yeah, well, the the whole idea of neshamot having parts, or whether it's one soul or multiple neshamot, I could I could sign off on your on your um, Indian of the of the candle, you know, because as you as you say, the, the you know the the integral thing over here is that is that person one who existed, who lived, who did something, who did, did at least did something right in his life, okay, um, you know that candle is there and it hasn't gone anywhere. That flame continues. The the Second flame is a new flame, al-tzadma, you know, and it's, it's a new flame in some aspect, but it's the old flame at the same time, which is fine, a kind of paradoxical kind of formulations that you need to have when you're dealing with subtle topics. Um, I think, you know, for me, the way that this plays out mostly is in realizing that, okay, the structure of a the structure of an ishama is something like this. You know, you have you have a beam of light. That light is nerashem nishmas adam, as you would say, or or Torah or you know whatever. It's a it's a it's an emanation of, you know, that originates in a kaddish baruch Hu and and is ultimately of the same nature of hakaddish baruch Hu, except for the tzimtzumim that it undergoes in terms of in terms of descending, right? And the the light that comes down has a pre-existing relationship with X number of nitzotzot, kelim, whatever is you know, which is floating around in the in the world in which we exist. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the original tzimtzum, I know it's why we're talking about you know tzimtzum as as the as the original space that opens up. So you have the you know you have the the uh, the orange seif, which is outside the space then you have this line of light that comes into the space and then you have the space itself so even before there ever was anything in the space there's already some sort of preordained relationship between some element of the of the line that descends and some aspect of the of the empty space itself and that's really the essence of the neshama the essence of a neshama is a relationship between the ein seif the 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 line and and some position within the within the emptiness Right. And it okay, I'll I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to get too, you know, too carried. People make in thinking about these things is to imagine that your head is like a bucket. All right. And in the bucket is a brain. And and somehow or another the brain in the bucket has this has this thing in it, which is called a nishama. And the nishama is in your head. It's it's locked into your body. I mean, that, by the way, was another interesting reason why people found it difficult to grasp Gilgul Nishamais, okay, because, you know, because of this, this strong correlation between, between the body as a container and the, the, the mind or the, or the soul as being, as being in the, you know, in the body until it gets out of the body. But make a long story short, okay, the, the fact that you live in your body but the things that you encounter in life, this, you know, this mitzvah that you're doing over here, this uh, bit of food that you're about to eat, this uh, um, seemingly useless and meaningless event that happens to you, all of those things are nitzotzot, and therefore you exist in a predetermined relationship with these things. If it happens to you, it's not accidental. It's actually intrinsic to who you to who you are. And if you and if you want to actually manifest the total stature of who you are, then you want to be able to connect to these things. So, you know, a, a nice, a nice remise to this, I think, is, is mitzvahs 
tefillin and you know mitzvahs tefillin mitzvahs tzitzis. Okay, where where you know your tefillin is your shirish milamala. You know that's where that's where the that's where the neshama is coming from, so to speak. That's where the light is flowing from. But then once it gets into you, it accesses the rest of the world and it, it spreads out, which is why it's kind of like a talus. It re reaches out and has fringes at the end. And the fringes correspond to taryak mitzvahs because taryak mitzvahs is the way that you need to interact with the things that you, that you encounter and use, you know, use that to construct the, the, um, the sheer koma, you know, construct your, your stature. And, and therefore, the things that happen to you are not just things that happen to you. They're not just physical objects. They're not just events that transpire. They are part of your nishama. So your nishama is both within you and it's also outside of you. Well, and let, it, let, me, let me just say, uh, if I may, I, I think that us, forget Gilgal, just in this world, if you don't understand what your body is and what your nishama is, you can't even begin to start discussing Gilgal, right? You have to first know what's you, what's your... And so where is my soul where is my soul and what's what is that part of me that we're discussing coming up and down i think that's that's what you're addressing if i'm correct right so you've got yeah. the gemara in brachos the gemara says uh, that are uh, that david amalek in tehillim says five times barchinafshi asks the gemara why does he say five times barchinafshi because there are five special unique things about the soul that make it divine, that make it almost godlike, right? Just like one, one mm -hmm. of those things is Maha Kaddish Baruch Hu Mamale Olam, just like the Holy One Blessed is He fills the world. Afan Neshama Mamale Kalagof. I hope, I think I'm, I'm, I'm quoting yeah. that, right? So, so you've got this Gemara that seems to suggest that, first of all, it, it certainly makes it clear that the soul is not in your brain, right? Because it, it fills your whole body. And then we've got the concept of, which you were you were avoiding the technical words, I think, but you've got the makifim, right? The aspects of your soul that that sort of can't even fit in your body until you elevate your body, and then you just get new new uh, surrounding light. So, um, can, can you can you maybe lead us to where um, you'll take? Uh, how are you concluding with all this in order to then explain what's the part of you that comes back um, according to your understanding of it? Okay, so the the part uh, that you have succeeded in lifting up, right? That is what stays because once it's been lifted up, it's been fused to fused to the Ain Saif. Okay, it doesn't it doesn't come down anymore, right? The what remains to be done, right, is something that is passed along to the to the next individual who shares your shorish neshama, okay? So once again, we can quibble about whether getting a second neshama from the same shorish, which is meant to take care of things that we're not taking care of in the first life, is a different neshama or if it's the same neshama. And the answer obviously is both, okay? So, and, you know, Although, without, let me clarify in case our listeners are... But even if, you know, the important thing is, is, that, is that there is a certain... Um, quantum of identity that remains that is that person and that person has a grave and that person has a place that his children go to and cry over or daven over that person will come back in a body of his own with his wife okay who is who is his you know who is his unique azer connecto 
and okay, problems with people, you know, women get married to three guys and the course of a lifetime. Okay, that's, a, you know, that's a separate kasha that, that the, you know, that the Rishonim also had. That's not a kasha that's created by Gilgul. That's a kasha that's created by, by uh, you know, common sense. But um, so it, it really, it really is, what do you, what do you, what practical effects do you get out of Gilgul? I mean, you know, how does this, how does this actually influence you? Does it make your life better? Does it, does it make you into a better Ayyad Hashem? And unfortunately, I, you know, I don't, I don't know any better answer to say to that than what you already, than what you already said. It's useful. Okay. It's useful because it tells you, um, you know, it tells you why you're suffering with these problems. You know, so like if I'm, so I, I, I'm a pretty depressive kind of guy in many ways. I have to struggle with depression all the time. Okay. And wake up in the morning and just don't want to, don't want to move, don't want to do anything. I have, you know, no cheshek for anything. That's my, you know, that's my default state. And it's been that way since I, since as far as I remember myself. Um, but okay, you know, that has to do with the nitsitis that I, that I need to deal with. I have to kind of apparently need to deal with some heavy duty nitsitis and, and uh, these guys have been around for a while. And maybe one of the reasons why they're so heavy to deal with is because they've been around for such a long time and nobody's been, you know, succeeded in dealing with them. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's probably helpful if you can realize that my peckle, okay, is, is a joint effort. I mean, so that, that means something to me. So if I'm schlepping this thing by myself, Mela, but you know, but what I'm schlepping has been schlepped by other people before and it, and it will continue to be schlepped. And I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this, in this endeavor. I think, you know, I think that makes it easier, easier for me and, and, um, and more worthwhile. And it allows me to, it allows me to, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm depressed because there's this issue and it's being dealt with and we're being dealt with slowly and it's being dealt with over time. And it's being dealt between that Bria Sa'ilam and, 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 and Bria Samarshia, you know, so I know, I know how to be a bit more patient with it. Well, Nelson, I think that, uh, you know, you've definitely uh, come somewhere in the middle here between Kalman and I from last week, right? On, on one hand, um, you admit to the difficulty of accepting, I think, Kalman's somewhat of extreme understanding. Uh, on the other hand, you are saying that you believe that it is helpful and it's something that um, should be used. I, I, I'm going to reiterate uh, the point that I think maybe for Nuss and Gluck and for some uh, people who are able to be typhus, I still think it should be under wraps. I don't think it should be something that uh, you're going to speak to in a therapy session to your typical depressed person who's struggling with issues that they have to overcome. I think it becomes a cop out and it becomes something that they that they end up sort of, you know, you know, drifting away and becoming even more untethered uh, to the actual world to help change themselves. Um, and, and again, you know, I'm surprised when you and Kalman were talking there that you didn't go back to the words themselves that you read and explained so eloquently. And the words were again, that, that, that exactly, Hanishama Rishona, he, Al Titalomark in Nishama Rishona, Atzma, he Amiskal Gelis Tamid. The fact that there are people who you share an affinity to, the fact is that there's other artistic people, the fact that there's people who are, let's make it even less vague than artistic, let's say even specifically artistic in, in some way, the fact is that there's, that there's others that are like you, I agree with you, that actually makes you feel great that you aren't alone, that the, the fact is that here you are in some place in Iowa desiring something which nobody else around you has. And now that you know that there's others 
in history that have been there, I agree that that's a comforting idea. In fact, I also agree that it's, it's the greatest thing in the world because we, you know, we know how thick blood is to know, hey, you know, there's something even thicker than your relatives. There's other at people sort of like you who are out there and you're going to find them maybe in some, uh, at the end of some eschatological future, you're going to find those other parts of your so to speak, people who did the same thing. And you're going to, you're going to hug them and love them probably more than your own brothers and sisters and others, because they actually were uh, doing things similar to you. And that, that is a great idea. It's like a super cousin or a super you in a different way that you could really just enjoy. But I still hold firm that none of this is, is really helpful to the average person. Um, and, and uh, I, let, me, let me step in. Let me try the following. The, the, everyone knows the Yismach Moshe, Rav Moshe Teitelbaum, the, of, of Ehol, the um, great Talmud of the Chose of Lublin, who is the founder of great Hasidic dynasties. Um, he said, he recalled his previous lifetimes. He recalled his previous lifetimes. And he said, he, um, he, he remembered, and he wasn't the only one. There were a few others who remembered them, the experiences. He remembers being one of the Dor Hamidbar. And it turned out, he said, that there were people on the side of Moshe, there were people on the side of Korach, and he found himself in the undecided group. That's what he said. And his Talmidim said, Rabbi, how could you not be with Moshe Rabbeinu? He said, well, had you all been that you were all been in Korach? It, it, wasn't so, it wasn't so simple. And then he remembered being a sheep of Yaakov Avinu, and one of the Rebbes said, I even had, maybe I had a scar. The point of all this, you know, this is not I could quote a, a mimer of the Arizal for this, but I don't think we need that. The point is that we see that there's a certain element of memories, which because they've been erased from us, we don't, we don't have them. But for those people who are a little bit more in touch, they come with memories. And I think that memories should be a, a good indicator of something a little bit more closer to what I'm envisioning as me coming back, even if there's, again, a candle from a candle, it's still me, because I think memories make you you. I mean, what makes me me is my lifetime of memories that precede me. And if I have previous lifetimes that become part of that memory, memory means I was there. So if I was there for all practical purpose, that's me. So how would you address that? First of all, do you have the same tradition in terms of this concept of memories becoming available? And if so, how do we address the concept of it being a different being? But, you know, nevertheless, if you, if you concede that there are a cluster of people, a cluster of Nishamot that have a deep kinship, okay, so the, tra- you know, some element of, shall we say, the transfer of information, the transfer of memory. Remember that, you know, that 20 Nishamot ultimately come from, a, you know, come from the same Shoresh or the same Shoresh of the Shoresh. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising for for memories to be or at least some memories to be to be common, um, you know the really the really archetypical ones that that give you the sense of direction in terms of what your you know what your life's purpose is, um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say there was a there was a period of time in my life when uh, when I was doing some therapist I was doing some therapy with a Jungian, you know and they're, they're big on on dream diaries. So I began to write down my dreams all the time, which, you know, once you start writing down dreams, you begin to have them and you begin to remember them. So I, I came with, there were, I had some, I had some amazing dreams, 
which um, which I thought were you know visions of of a, of a previous lifetime and explained a lot about who I am today. Um, you know, at the at the same at the same time, I also have to concede that although for selected individuals, knowing this puts things into perspective. For 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 the uh, for most people, this would be a way not to uh, spur themselves for any change, but rather just to have another thing to darshan about with their friends about why they are the way they are. Instead of saying I'm going to be something different and wake up and and and, and tap into the incredible uh, human potential that we that we believed in, in our best state that we are capable of doing. Let me just say talk about memory. Look. You know, Nelson and I have a long uh, history together. Kalman and I have a history together. Our memories are very much manufactured and, and colored and altered. My memory of the first time I met Kalman and had my chabrusa with him, or my first time I met you, is very much within, uh, I have probably put sepia tones and changed it and, and had a whole different perspective of where it occurred and what was said and what happened. It, 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 this is a fiction when we talk about, oh, I remember this. These memories are things that we are creating and telling ourselves are true. And they are, they are, 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 are fodder that allow us to, to, to live in the moment. So I, I, look, I, I, I love, one second, I love the Yismach Maish. I think it's a safer that's un, unfortunately underlooked in terms of its depth, and he was one of the greatest manhigim of the Chassidus ever produced. On the other hand, I am very comfortable saying that he was so shakua in the sugya of Korach Vadoso and trying to learn and understand, which the Torah puts right there in the middle of the Torah for us to really comprehend how such a thing could happen, that he could takabi, he could takabi masing that. And Ultimately, whenever we learn, we tell ourselves stories about that as if it's a memory, like as, as if we've lived there. I, no, I'm going to I'm going to totally disagree enough that I have to interrupt you mid-speech. Yismach Moshe remembered this Gilgulim. This was not some fantasy that he created. This is an imam in Bamunashlema. That be, and if he would have been the only one, maybe I would have tried to uh, reinterpret it myself. He's not the only one. There are other individuals. That's why you can even find mamarim within the Mukubalim of what they talk about. You know, he he remembered this and he remembered his memory. Common. His memory is no different than your memory. Okay. Whenever you have memory, what are you doing? You are processing and and creating some sort of aspect for you to continue to right. live. So, so, and, and everyone has a different level of how accurate they are. But in terms, and I agree with that, we make adjustments to our memories. But remembering a vivid experience of, I mean, the Yismach Moshe once said to the Shin of Arav, he says, I remember Maimon Har Sinai. And the Shin of Arav answered him, we all remember Maimon Harsin. Uh, that's my right? answer. Yes. So I, think, uh, yeah. I, I think, though, that what the Yismach Moshe was saying, and I think that's where you're responding with the Shin of Arav's answer, of on some level we all, Yismach Moshe was saying, no, I remember, I remember the color of the, of the stones beneath my feet. You know, one, should, one should ask the Isma Moshe what strimal the Moshe Rabbeinu was wearing at the time. You know, was it, a, was it like a poofy strimal? It goes up, or was it like a pancakey strimal, like right. the old guy? Well, well, it was just like the kever of Moshe Rabbeinu, where the people who looked at it from this angle saw a strimal, the people who looked at it from this angle saw a borsalino. <laughs> Here, I'll call upon 
Look, you know, again, without taking an iota away from their Kedusha, I believe that it definitely, look, the fact that it's in the Torah, the fact that it's Sipuri Torah, the fact that it's Pesukim in the Torah means that there is a depth that you can plumb there. And God knew by telling Moshe to write it for us that you might be able and you should be able to connect to it and, and, and make it as vivid and real as the memories of your first date with your wife and being in the, in, 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 in the, in the, uh, in the delivery room when your child came and then also your best friends. But those are all things that are existing in your mind as, as sparks and synapses that allow you a certain sense of happiness for endorphin release. And, and, and those are things which allow us to, to, to function. I have no doubt that if a person ligs in the sugi of Matan Torah, he can be Mitzayar Ba'atzimach. And God knew that because he put it in the Torah that you'd be able to do that. Do you remember it the same way as is happening in a previous life? Like in a movie that all of a sudden you're looking around, you're saying, hey, what's the skin that I'm wearing? Give me a mirror. Oh, look at me. I've got a different face than I did before. What's happening here? What? I'm old. I'm young. I'm a woman. No, that's not true. Okay, that's not uh, it can still be memory, but memory is itself not what you think it is. You know, again, it's 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 a fantasia to think that memory is actually going back to some actual moment in time and somehow being able to now to forward that moment. That moment passed and it's never going to be that. And it never really is that even in your own mind. It's just. And just your way of your brain f- fashioning it in order for you to continue moving. That is clear what memory is. E- even the idea of Liskar Amolek, Liskar Asmaisamiriam, we weren't there. The whole idea, this idea of memory really is, again, it's, 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 it's the type I, of thing. You're bringing like, examples that are not good examples, right? That you're bringing an example of, yeah, in the, in the movie, the person it looks at themselves uh, and uh, says, what's uh, happening to my skin? That's a current, that's a current transmigration, right? We're, we're, we're talking about here about remembering, remembering an experience, remembering. So when I, I'm assuming it, I, whether he grew up this way or at some point he he gained insight. Oh, cool. I, I don't think there's anything I understand that he remembers. He remembers, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. way that his living room was set up in the in his tent in the midbar. As someone who claims to, have- yeah. all right. Well, look, I think that we have definitely uh, uh, once again delved and swam back to our uh, back to our prospective perches here, and uh, I'm happy that the, those perches are somewhat dry, maybe a little bit wet uh, uh, for the wear. Um, let's try to do I He's my Chavrusa, Rabbi Kalman Warch. And our special guest, Rabbi Nassim Glick. And uh, this is my very good friend, um, Avram Lukivalevich, and my new friend, Kalman Warch. <laughs> and we've been all here playing Password. Take care, my friends. Be well. We'll check you next time. Uh, and we'll see. We have to split this show back into different insights. Be well. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.